Hi. Wow. Champagne, music, Amy in a kimono. I swear, if you weren't gay, Oscar, I'd have to kill you. Gay? I'm not gay. I, 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 I didn't gay. Sipping summer smoothly, sailing somewhere, cilantro, Sicilian sexy, sit inside satchel satellite, surreptitious sunbather, syrup, sale salami, salamander, space, saddle, salad, silly, central Spanish, secret cinema. Hey everyone, welcome to the Secret Cinema, the film podcast that shows you the blueprints. I'm Paolo Caron, my co-host is Carrie Chafee, and today we're joined by two guests, Krista Jackson and Emily Neal, for a discussion of Damon Santostefano's 1999 romantic comedy, Three to Tango. I don't have any notes, so here's Carrie with the plot summary. Oscar and his business partner Peter are so close to clinching a huge architectural deal with the city of Chicago. Only one thing stands in their way. Charles, a rich businessman responsible for choosing the winning design. To keep Charles happy, Oscar agrees to do him a favor. Keep an eye on his mistress, Amy. Through a series of misunderstandings and rumors, Amy and Charles and the rest of the world come to believe that Oscar is gay. Can Oscar clear up these misconceptions without losing their contract and Amy? Three to Tango's faux progressive attitudes toward gay people are condescending and cringeworthy. Clearly the product of straight filmmakers who don't quite understand the people they're ostensibly defending. However, one of the film's few bright spots is Peter, Oscar's business partner and the film's most prominent gay character, ably played by secret cinema favorite Oliver Platt. Our first clip, which is longer than usual so we can showcase Platt's somewhat subtle performance, takes place immediately after Oscar finds out that both his antagonist and his love interest think he's gay. Oscar is interrupting Peter's dinner party, which is populated entirely by gay stereotypes, one of whom makes the exclamation about winning a bet early on. And the loud noise that overwhelms Oscar's voice at the clip's outset is a cappuccino machine. Here's that clip. They think I'm gay. Huh? They think I'm gay. Come again? Everybody thinks I'm gay. I win the pool. Come again? Amy and Charles think I'm gay. Oh no. Oh yes. You're gay. I'm gay. We're gay. Good God. I know. I mean, how can they think that? Me gay? I mean, it's just so so embarrassing and, and, and mortifying and humiliating. Humiliating, yes. I mean, I don't get it. I don't see it. I'm just a regular, normal, insensitive asshole but come on you know what i mean right oh sure i know that when you say that you're humiliated what you actually mean is that you're proud not ashamed no no it's not that it's just being gay is not normal you know i don't think that okay i have no problem with people being gay in fact i'm all for homosexuality especially when it happens between two gorgeous women or three but i'm not gay Look, I'm sorry. I didn't mean what I said before. What are you doing? I'm trying to decide if I should recover gracefully from your insults or kneecap you. Yes, I'm insensitive 
and, and callous. Well, you're stupid and young. Yes. Yes, stupid and young. But that doesn't change the fact that we are in deep shit here, okay? So what are we gonna do? We? I don't really see there's anything particular for me to do. We have to do something. Why? Because everybody thinks I'm gay. I don't. You don't. Who cares? You're enjoying this. Now, young Oski, I told you when you wanted to go spy on that girl, something bad might happen, you didn't listen. So the reality is... No. Yes, the reality is you made your big gay bed, and you must now slumber gaily in it. But I, I, I don't want to. Sweet dreams. Hey, I'll see you at the next dinner party. Three to Tango's gay characters are cliched and underdeveloped. But to be fair, so is everyone and everything else in the screenplay. Our second clip, which is only a minute and a half long, contains the entirety of Amy's interactions with her female friends, who only exist to draw simplistic parallels between the gay experience and the female experience. Here's that clip, and we'll see you on the other side for a discussion of Three to Tango. <laughs> the best is when they say, no, I'm not going to use a line on you, baby. Oh, the anti-line line, I hate that. Yeah, that is a stupid one. So, is it, like, the same for you? I mean, to get the same kind of come-ons as us? Uh, um, well, sometimes. Like the other day, uh, I was on the bus, and this guy comes up to me and says, do you work out? Uh, oh, the old workout line. Does anyone fall for that? No. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, he's uh, staring. I mean, staring at my butt. So I turn around. Then, of course, my crotch is right in his face. Oh, please. So I turn around again, and then there's butt. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like butt, crotch, butt, crotch, butt, butt, crotch, 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 crotch. And I'm thinking, hey, pal. I'm a person. I'm not, I'm not an object. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I have feelings. I mean, it doesn't matter that the guy was right, you know, that I happen to have a finely toned, picture-perfect, award-winning ass. <laughs> There's more to me than that. That's right, Oscar. You're not a piece of meat. You tell yeah, him. I mean, whatever happened to subtlety? You go. You know, whatever happened to taking the time to get to know yeah, somebody yeah. first? That's it. What? <laughs> if all men were gay, it would be absolutely perfect. <laughs> I love how you tell me we have a group of gals here tonight for the secret cinema i would like to welcome my wonderful cousin krista krista hi yeah there she is <laughs> and then we've also got our wonderful friend emily here Go ahead, Emily. Hey, long time <laughs> listener, first time talker. <laughs> and um, we are, they were lucky enough to watch Three to Tango with us tonight. So, oh, also, Paolo's here. I'm here. <laughs> uh, and so, I want to start off by hearing what you guys thought of Three to Tango. Emily, you want to you wanna kick it off? Kick uh, it off, girl. So, I have a lot of. Uh, got a lot of beef with this movie, but I was thoroughly entertained. Thoroughly entertained? Yeah. What's your beef? Uh, Where's the beef? <laughs> I didn't like Nev Cam Campbell's character at all. I thought she was kind of like an affable, clumsy girl trope rather than an actual person. And 
I think I'm gonna always refer to him as Chandler if I do. do that <laughs> I don't know if you want to edit that, but uh, Matthew. Well, yeah, Perry, Matthew Perry, Matthew aka Perry. Chandler. Yeah, aka Oscar. He does that one character really well, the goofy, lovable, fall on your face. Doof guy. Yeah, it's basically the same part he played in Fools Rush In. Yep. If anyone, yeah. <laughs> what other movies has he been in? Mm. <laughs> that's hard to say. What's the one? He doesn't need Mary Selma Hayek. In that's Fool's Rush In, yeah. yeah. That's Selma Hayek? Yeah. yeah. I watch that in my Spanish class all the time. <laughs> <laughs> See how the other half lives. I also want to point out before I forget that Chandler on the show Friends was often uh, misconceived to be gay as well. Oh, so he had practice with yes. this role. Oh. Yeah, I didn't like Nev Campbell's character either, but I think that's just because she was the typical, I'm a girl who doesn't have girlfriends, and I love attention, that type of girl. Which, who likes that girl? Boring. It's totally boring. What about yeah. you, Krista? And she sleeps with, she's sleeping with, like, the rich guy. Yeah, who she clearly doesn't care about, but does care about? Yeah, they hinted at, like, what her needs are. He gives me what she needs, what she, she needs but, like, it was never clear what exactly that was. It was just left to assumption. Yeah, this movie, for being a lot about sex, it didn't talk about sex at all. Yeah, there they were, like, words that they just didn't say, or, you know, like, they would never openly ask, like, or say, are you gay? Or, like, when you yeah. say, are you, are you, huh? Uh, and that's what transpired a lot of the miscommunication. Yeah. Yeah, they never really say if Nev, because Nev Campbell even goes out of her way to not accept jewelry right, from her right. rich boyfriend. So, if you're not taking advantage of the fact that you're the mistress of a rich guy, then why are you his mistress? Yeah. Other than sex. Yeah, and she doesn't even, she has to get an apartment at some point during the movie. So she's not, he's not providing her money or housing, and uh, he doesn't want to spend time with her. <laughs> he doesn't care about her. He did offer to get her a hotel room. That's for true. For like a couple nights. How sweet. <laughs> right? What a sweetheart. I'm going to guess that she is also really into Buddhism, and they do yoga together, and they really like Asian culture. Maybe that's the one thing Maybe she... <laughs> She blows glass while he blows himself. <laughs> <laughs> or not. <laughs> Follow uh, what do you think of this movie? Well, I wanted to do this movie on the podcast because when we when we first watched this, I could not believe how campy it was. Like it's really like romantic comedies usually would play this sort of thing very straight and very boring and from very the, straight. Yeah. <laughs> but this, it just, it's so over the top from the beginning. It has so many things that just make absolutely no sense in the way that they're over the top. And then everything relating to uh, just the gay plot line in this movie is so insane and wrong-headed that it just, it's, it's amazing. I think we... Could, we laughed a lot during this movie, but it's almost entirely ironic, shocked yeah, laughter yeah. at, like, I can't believe they thought this was ever an acceptable joke. And it just, like, keeps topping itself with those jokes. And so, yeah. Well, and this movie was, it, it almost wasn't a romantic comedy as much as, as it was a screwball comedy where people are just tripping over stuff. Or a lot like, of pratfalls. Yeah, and Ned Campbell even, like, punches... Chandler several times on yeah. accident, but she at one point they're trying to get in a cab 
and she rips the handle off the cab and ends up elbowing him in the balls. And, like, what? That doesn't happen. <laughs> after and then hitting I, him in the face. Yeah. yeah. Though, in all fairness, that car later does explode. So, <laughs> so it's a very flimsy car. Yeah, that's Maybe true. they just really wanted to embrace all the campiness. If they were going to go gay, they were gonna. They didn't know how to do it, but they were going to push it. Yeah, what do gay people like? Camp? All right, campy movie, gay people. Yeah, that's like seems to be the strategy behind this movie. Yeah, and gay people must love uh, blown glass artwork. Yeah. <laughs> and for the straight folks out there, there's always Nev's cleavage. Yeah. Yes. Oh, man. As Roger Ebert pointed out in the first <laughs> sentence of his review. In the leeriest review possibly ever written. Yeah. Maybe. One star out of four. Uh, Roger Ebert loved this movie. <laughs> well, the irony throughout, like, goes through the whole movie. The irony of the straight guy of all four who were applying for that job. So at the end, we find yeah, he's out the only one. The irony that the only straight guy is the one nominated for the gay professional man oh, of the man. year. That's my biggest takeaway from this movie: is look at the straight guy. If he can just be affable enough, he can take the attention away from the gays. Yeah, let's applaud him. And I don't get how his partner, the gay one, was like okay with it. And I think you said earlier, like he took the gay thunder from Peter, and I don't <laughs> understand. Why Peter was okay with it, whether it's just because it was good publicity for... I, I don't know. Man, there's so much to unpack there's with this movie. We gotta, I think we gotta rewind a little bit yeah. and uh, start kind of at the beginning. So Chandler is an architect. Named Oscar. Named Oscar. Oscar. Yeah, Oscar or Oski, as Albert Platt calls him. And what was Albert Platt's character's name? Peter. Peter. Okay. Oh, I had good, to write it down. Good job, yeah. Krista. So... Peter, or Oliver Platt, or Platty, if you will, uh, as I like to call him. I love Oliver Platt. <laughs> Some people who've listened to the podcast before may remember Oliver Platt from our episode Married to the Mob. His first movie. His first movie. He's so cute in that movie. <laughs> um, but he plays Oscar's partner in his architecture firm, and he is gay. He's actually gay, whereas Oscar is not. And they go and they present for this project. The project They're architects, too, because it's a romantic comedy, so of course they are architects. It's either they're architects or magazine uh, editors if it's a romantic comedy. <laughs> well, they're men, so they really could be whatever. It's yeah, women, but... they're either chefs or bakers but or magazine writers. I wish I could think of another example, though, but it's like architects is like the go-to for these types of movies because it's a really, it's a high-paying job, so it can like afford... So you don't have to explain the income. Yeah, you don't have to explain the income, but it's also one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, they build buildings, and then you don't really need to know any of the nuances of it at all to hint at it, you'd be like, yeah, they're working on a building, they're in a room with a bunch of people, and there's blueprints, yeah, architecture. Like, that's that's as hard as it works. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so they present that they want to win this contract from Dylan McDermott. Oh, man, I'm totally going to screw that up. It's, it's Dermot Mulroney Roney or Dylan McDermott. Durble McDillon. Durble McDillon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Dylan McDermott, whose character's name is Char Charlie. Char Charlie? I wrote that one down too. Uh, Charlie, he wants them to compete with another firm, another architecture firm, and so they have to build a model, a 3D model of what they want 
their building to look like. All right, well, let's really quickly talk about this. Because pretty much like we said, the very first thing that happens in the plot is that Oscar and Peter are bringing a model to Charles to compete with these other two architects who are also bringing a model to show, um, like, they're competing over who gets the grant to make this building. And after they show those models, the plot sets in motion, which involves them building models for Charles to design again. And, yeah. And actually, too, now that I think about it, uh, the other, the competing architects, who are Bob Balaban and John C. McGinley, uh, they have a virtual reality... Presentation. Presentation, yeah. Where, it, like, they show, like, pro- what is it? Like, not even 15 seconds of it, but it's like, they, they, some, some poor person was hired to do CG for this movie to create, like, the inside of... Like a virtual mall with little Mexico and little Italy and little China next to each other, and the these like court. garish waterfalls. It looks like a Windows ninety five screensaver. If you ever did the maze screensaver in Windows, it looks that high quality. Oh man, I forgot about that yeah. screensaver. That was a good one. That one and the brick one. Yeah, those were the best. <laughs> anyway, so they have to compete with this other firm. And while they're leaving, the other firm implies that both of them are gay. That Oscar and, uh, what's Oliver Platt's character's name? Peter. 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 But they don't, they, oh. they're not the people, it's, it starts because... Implies is the key word because no yeah. one can say the word gay. Yeah. But also, yeah. They only say gay at the end of the movie. The assistant hears, um, uh, Oscar saying to Peter... Like, I love you. Oh, what, I, I brought I'm so line. glad you're my partner. Yeah. yeah. You are the best partner that a man could have. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And um, instead of taking that as their partners in business... The Which is the context that she is seeing them talk to each yeah. other. <laughs> they take it that they're partners in life and in love. And so the secretary tells Dylan McDermott... That hey, uh, those guys—they—they uh, love each other, you know, sexually, and so he thinks, huh? Well, how can I exploit that? Oh, I have a girlfriend. Why don't I have this gay guy tail my girlfriend? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. He's just very worried that his girlfriend will cheat on him, and that his wife will also find out about his girlfriend. That doesn't seem like a big worry for him, though. Like, getting caught with his wife? I think the overall theme is that he's just jealous. Yes, yeah, That's what jealous. I don't get, though, is why is he so jealous of her when he's the one cheating on his wife? God. His wife, Paolo, as the his wife only man here, if you want to take that one? I don't know. I can't relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> if you had... You can't? You're a man. You speak for You're all right. men now. <laughs> I relate more to Matthew Perry <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you did say you're the you're the Matthew Perry of this group. I mean, like Matthew Perry, I got food poisoning in Chicago one time. So. <laughs> did you eat a tuna melt? Oh, if only. <laughs> so Matthew Perry, he meets up with Dylan McDermott, and Dylan McDermott's like, you know, I really want you to win this contract, but I think that you can win it best by following my girlfriend around for me and being her friend. And he feels comfortable having him follow her around because he thinks Chandler, Matthew Perry, 
whatever we want to call him, is gay. Oscar. What should I stick with? Oscar? Oscar? Yeah. Oscar. Oscar? Okay. So Oski is like, well, should I follow the girl around? I don't know. And I guess he decides yes, and that's and the rest of the movie. And he goes into it not knowing what she looks like or anything. Mm-hmm. And then comes the natural way to meet people in movies is where something terrible happens and you save the girl. Yeah, the uh-huh. meet cute. Well, and also, after I Hate Valentine's Day, this is the second romantic comedy in a row we've covered that features an art is stupid scene. And Carrie, what is this stupid art that appears in this movie? Well, this so Nev Campbell's this uh, glass artist and her art wasn't stupid, but yeah, there are well, pretty stupid. Okay, fair enough. But so there's other art in the same gallery opening, and the gallery opening is called Nothing But Flags, but but is spelled with two T's, and it is photographs of paintings of flags on people's butts. So, uh, even what's the joke he makes? Livia's pretty hairy. He said Bosnia. Bosnia looks pretty hairy, but it oh. wasn't the Bosnian flag. Uh-huh. Well, but wait, was is the nineties? Wasn't the Bosnian conflict happening around then? Is that like well, a Bosnian, like a real political Bosnia joke? I mean, the, the borders have changed some, but Bosnia Herzegovina, their flag is not whatever it was oh, yeah. on that hairy butt. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Emily's our flag checker, flag butt checker. I googled it very quickly. <laughs> Um, so yeah, and what is up with that? Why does art always have to be stupid in movies? Because nobody gets art. And also, romantic comedies tend to be pitched to, like, the, the dumbest people. Like, they, they're they really... They're, Slam! Well, no, I'm not saying the people who like them are. I'm saying they're pitched. Oh, at, sure. Like, they're not designed to be, like, you don't, you don't come in with, like... Like, all right, well, I'm very informed about these subjects in this movie is going to appeal to my love of those things. It's like, hey, you want to be distracted for an hour and 40 minutes. You, These people are obviously going to end up together. Uh, there's no there's no uh, thing that is just like a mystery to it. It's all pretty obvious. You know what you're getting. And so with, uh, <laughs> with art, art is one of those things that, as we said with I Hate Valentine's Day, it's like... And also with Art School Confidential, it's like really a tough, complicated thing. And in a movie that's trying to make love and relationships simplistic, like why not also make art simplistic? Yeah. And don't put anything in it that'll make your audience feel dumb. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So they can laugh at it, so especially like straight men in the audience who maybe have to question themselves for being there, feeling dragged to a movie. They can laugh at dumb shit like butts. Do you think that... It's also gay. It's like a gay thing. Like, oh, there's a bunch of men's butts. Do you think that there was anyone who saw this movie and was like, you know, gay people are people, too. Those people are awful if they said that. (laughs) (laughs) If anything, the takeaway is Oliver Platt's a great gay actor. Yeah. He plays... He's a great actor, I think. That's what you're trying to say. His character could very easily be gay blackface in this, because especially the type... The the way the role is positioned. But Oliver Platt is such a good actor, especially a good comedic actor, that he really sells material that would be... Like, it would just sink to the bottom with everything else in this movie if it wasn't performed by him. I just love that scene where he's like, My kidneys! My kidneys! He's screaming at... At Oscar. So. Oh, in round two of the interview process where they have 50 interns do their work for them. 
Yeah, how do you get 50 interns for f- and not pay them? Are there that many people trying to be architects? Chicago's a big city. That's true. Anyway, so he rescues one of Nev Campbell's uh, art pieces, pieces, art pieces, and they become instant friends. They get food poisoning together. She punches him in the crotch. On accident. And they have a real connection. Oh, and it rains, of course, because it always rains. And then the next day, he finds out that she thinks he's gay. Enter whole plot of the movie. <laughs> we And I, I think we've talked about this before in another episode, but this movie centers around the idea of the idiot plot, where... There would be no plot to this movie if everyone would just communicate with each other. True. There would be no conflict, no issues, no problems whatsoever if Oscar was just like, oh no, I'm not gay. He did kind of when he said, oh no, I'm not, I didn't gay. (laughs) And then we just cut to him running away and then we don't go back to the fact that he had yeah. tried to make it clear. Yeah, this movie was really bad at segues. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, did you notice all the shots where, like, someone would walk across and they would do, like, a wipe edit with them, where, like, the person, the background would change with the person walking across the screen? That happened tons of times in this. There was just, it was... Well, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, it was, it was, maybe it wasn't My thing that, I, that drove me crazy was how every shot of a person looked like it had been cropped in. And so you couldn't see the whole person, or like when they were gesturing with their hands, you couldn't see what they were doing with their hands, or there were a ton. <laughs> Emily, people can't see what you're doing. <laughs> the guy was talking about a football player's penis, and they didn't show his hands, which everyone else was looking at. For yeah, measurement. he was trying to emphasize the size. Yeah, well, by using his the hands. football player Kevin Cartwright, that was the character's name. Yeah, and that's he, not he, a real football no, player. No, but he held the college record for most penis in a single season. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he still holds that record. <laughs> but um, there's so many off-camera jokes. Like, there's them puking. You don't actually see them puking. It's just them leaving the camera to puke and you hear them puking there's a ton of like them falling and they don't actually show people falling in the in the you know the the screen and there were just like so many jokes where i was like i can't see what's happening i'm just it's just implied that it's funny i feel like that was another (laughs) a big problem with this movie but that might be the director's fault and the director this was his first big movie he, his name's Damon Santo Stefano, which I might have said wrong, but I tried. He directed The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Yeah, that's why, um, what's his name is in this? What's, what, who's Rick what? Gomez. Rick Gomez was one of, I think, I can't remember, I think he was the episode of Adventures of Pete and Pete where older Pete becomes a wrestler. Rick Gomez is the guy who plays the guy who's going to wrestle him, and so older Pete keeps trying to drop weight classes so they won't have to wrestle him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's that makes sense. That's why that guy is... Yeah, yeah probably. 
Um, he also directed another Cinderella story and a bunch of TV movies. Didn't he direct Bring It On again? Yes. <laughs> he directed one of the Bring It On sequels. Um, and I found out that he was engaged to Mary Stuart Masterson. Weird. Um, who, she is June in Benny and June. She's in Fried Green Tomatoes. She's, she's leading the abyss. She's in Some Kind of Wonderful. She's great. Yeah. But they were engaged for four years. They dated for four years. And then he made this movie. And then Krista, one of the writers of this movie, Aileen Brush McKenna, she wrote... 27 Dresses, <laughs> which we just watched last night. Uh, she wrote Devil Wears Prada. She wrote Morning Glory. Yeah, oh, man. <laughs> she wrote She wrote We Bought a Zoo. That terrible movie. Wow. And she created Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Man. Yeah, so she's a success story. But I would not say that this movie is the reason she's a success story. <laughs> Yeah, this movie has a 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> As it should. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, and you know, I, I think the first time that I watched this movie, I really, I was like, ooh, that was so bad, you know, like, it, I just, we made fun of it the whole time. But this time, it is a bad movie, but I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. Look, there's so many little things to pick apart and to think about. Or not think about it at all and just laugh at them. Yeah. Like, uh, to pull aside, so Rick was an extremely funny character as one of the three henchman friends. Yeah, yeah, Chandler's friends. Who should have died when he was electrocuted in his bathtub. Oh my god, yeah. He was electrocuted for a long time, did too. You, did you notice that he was in the bathtub reading the newspaper, but he started reading the newspaper from the bottom? Uh-huh. And then he flipped it over. Yes. And so he started, he's in the bathtub. First of all, he didn't get the newspaper wet. Only when he got electrocuted. Yeah. Somehow he didn't get it wet. And then he flipped it over to see the front page headline. And that's when the the radio fell in the bathtub. (laughs) But I was like, why did he start at the bottom? And and when the radio falls in the bathtub and he's like, it's, he's like, there's smoke and like shocks on screen. Like he's clearly getting electrocuted and he's reacting like, oh, oh, because he's getting shocked and he's like trying to grab it and pull it out and he finally like has it in his hand and he starts getting electrocuted which just like defies all science. Wouldn't he still be getting (laughs) electrocuted? Yeah. Maybe this is reading too much into it. He, he read, his friend is gay, and it literally shocked him in the crotch <laughs> with the radio calling him. And the news... But, um, yeah, it hit him hard. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh... Oh, the other friend who finds out that Matthew Perry is gay at an AA meeting. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. never addressed other than the fact that he's around... Um, lots of Heineken bottles in Matthew's apartment. Oscar. Yeah. Well, because, you know, straight men, they don't talk to each other about their feelings. No. no. Well, and to that scene, when he when he when uh, he's at AA and he stands up and is like, Hi, it's my first time here. I'm gay. And then everyone's like... <laughs> him. Um, Welcome, gay! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Oh, brother. Alcoholics gain out of this. Is that too dumb? <laughs> it's not as dumb as uh, my my alternate title for this movie. What was it again? I can't even remember my own Three joke. and a half weeks to gay. 
Yeah. The three and a half weeks to get it, yeah. <laughs> really yeah, smooth Emily, title. you you had great insight about the title of this movie. Oh, three to tango and all of the music is swing music. <laughs> it's not nobody dances except for the sad crying blues part where they sway back and forth crying in the bar. And uh-huh. is that when they kiss? When they almost kiss. Almost kiss. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, there's no tango music, no dancing. The... She does sing hot-blooded in the shower. <laughs> hot-blooded! Well, yeah, and even the opening credits are people swing dancing over blueprints. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're trying to unite the themes, and they just... Nobody in the... Like, absolutely nobody involved with this movie knew what tango was, other than just the word. <laughs> what could they have called this movie besides Three to Tango? Like, a serious movie title. Man, and there's the whole, like... Uh, Omnisexual part of the song. <laughs> it could so easily have used the word swing as like a double entendre. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow, that, yeah. That is a good one. Like, if it was a baseball movie, you'd call it Swinging for the Fences or something like that. <laughs> but they didn't. I'm trying to think of like a pun with architecture. Like yeah. building. I got nothing. A swing. <laughs> <laughs> Building a swing. Yeah, I haven't. I was also trying to think maybe the idea of three doesn't really matter. No, I mean it's a love triangle, but but even then it's a quad, it's a square. It's more like an arrowhead where everyone's heading to Nev Campbell. Yeah, yeah, it's like a quadrangle because she, because Dylan McDermott is married. Did I say Dermot? Yeah, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) whatever. And and uh, also, I mean, if we really, depending on how you interpret. The shape of the romance in this, the football player is not only goes on a date with Oscar, but ends up implied getting together with Peter uh, due to his giant penis. And which he pushes on Matthew Perry. Yeah. Oh yeah, that boner scene. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't love a good boner scene? So it's scene? like, what is that? Like a love pentagram? Is that? But five point shape. <laughs> so is so is uh, Oscar in the middle? Mm-hmm. No, no I think more like a star. I think Amy is in the middle. Okay. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Everything kind of revolves around. Yeah, her. because the football player also dated, dated Amy. Amy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. And after dating her, he realized he was gay. Weird. So, yeah. Okay. I love pentagram. I'm okay with that. Pentagon. Pentagon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the non-satanic version. <laughs> well, and I kept thinking about this movie versus. The movie In and Out. Yeah. Actually, okay, it's a perfect segue into what I wanted to talk about, which is that the thing that really makes this movie fascinating is this, like, bizarre sort of progressive homophobia that is, like, constant throughout. Like, when Oscar comes out, he isn't really in any way adversely affected by it. It doesn't present him being gay as, like... No, it actually kind of goes well for him. Yeah, like, besides the fact that his they show his dad, like, smashing things and, like, <laughs> wearing a pot on his head and bashing his head to a brick wall, everyone else is really supportive. They're, they're just, like, happy to be like, you're gay? That's great. We're just gonna fully support this as much as possible as soon as we hear this. And, it, like, in the 90s, too, like, it's it would be believable to have, like, a few more characters be really hateful about this. But everybody's super supportive. Or not and, even hateful. 
shameful, but like reserved. About or weird, it. like way yeah. weirder. And what happens instead is that everyone accepts him as like a like an alien or like a dog that's now in the room that can suddenly talk, and they're like, "We we want to know all these things from you." And it's so it's yeah, it's it has the sheen of friendliness, but it's constantly condescending towards gay people and the gay experience there's in the United States. That, and there's even that scene where. Um, Matthew Perry is talking to Oliver Platt, and he's like, oh, well, you know, I'm not gay. I'm normal. I'm just a regular oh, yeah. normal. And then he looks at Oliver Platt and sees his reaction and says, insensitive asshole. It's the closest the movie gets to, like, self-awareness. Yeah. It, like, has that's, that... That's the best interaction there. Yeah. 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 And, well, and that that's the other thing is, like, that scene... If that wasn't in the movie, I think that this movie really would be... Like, oh, well, being gay isn't normal, you know? Yeah. Well, that, like, even that short interaction, I think it gave Oliver Platt's character a lot more depth. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it allowed him to be defensive, but in a, not an overly defensive way, but uh, he confronted him head-on rather than just being like, oh, welcome to the club. Yeah. And, but in the movie does it, too, in a way where it's like, but we're not going to be super serious about this. Like... We're here, we're here to laugh about people being gay. Like yeah. it's like gay people are people too, but they're funny people that we laugh at. Like it's really it's a really <laughs> yeah, it's weird, so weird like. <laughs> well, and that's that's why I kept thinking about In and Out because In and Out it's yeah. the same thing. Yeah, where everyone's like, "Oh, Kevin Klein, are you're gay?" And so he's like, like, "I'm not gay, or I'm not." And then he fi- he's like, "Oh wait, I am gay." Yeah, you remember the scene in In and Out where he like listens to the tape on how to be a man, and he just the like st- starts dancing to Barbara Streisand, not Barbara Streisand, but is it Bad Girls? It's Bad something like, they're like, no, you, you Nancy boy, stop dancing to it. It's like, yep, cl- gay people just can't help but dance. Like, yeah. That's like they the can't weird, resist that, that weird stereotyping of like, like they're cartoon characters. <laughs> like every time they get presented, there's no way to just like, I mean, nobody in this movie is a normal human being at all, but no. it's like, it's specific when you're making your movie so thoroughly invested in a major part of the population, you would hope that they would at least try to get it right. Yeah, jeez. What were the three reasons that the three friends had for suspecting Oscar was gay all along? Well, the last friend says all the gay things at <laughs> <laughs> uh, your home decor, yeah, yeah wall decor, and, and treatment, and the, yeah, <laughs> it was clearly like. Garbage painted on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> he had three different, like he had one wall. Had He's three an different architect. Things. He was like looking at different ways to they decorate were like walls. tile work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and he makes food. He makes them. Yeah, hors d'oeuvres. Which, in all fairness, they never do actually explain anything other than just like this guy. For whatever reason, when his three friends come over to watch football, he like cooks like specialty dishes for them and yeah. then yells at them about the way they eat. I bet it was bagel bites. It, well, he said the first one was dim sum, unless he made uh, dim yeah. sum Ooh. from bagel bites. But it's still, it's like, I, like obviously, I you didn't could, see could. what the second one was. But it's just like Did a weird. Burn it? It's a thing that's only in there to be like, yeah, because gay men, gay men cook. Like, gay men are good with food. Uh, the implication being like, well, women cook, and so gay men are like women, and so gay uh. men cook. like it's 
It's it's so anytime you really investigate any part of this movie, it gets so regressive. The there were so it. many scenes where I just had to kind of hang my head and put my hand on my forehead and just go, "Oh, I can't watch <laughs> yeah. this." Ugh. You know, I I had to I had to leave during the big penis football scene. <laughs> 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 I was just I felt I, just, I it was. Terrible all around. I just I felt. Weird. It, have you been there before, Carlos? No, it's just because like obviously it's the it's bad because of the whole uh, a man uh, the guy tackling the guy he's on a date with and like letting his boner press into I, the guy's crotch. I have something to say, yeah. and I'm going to stand up as a feminist and say if that was a if that was Nev Campbell pinned under him, that would be rapey. Yeah. And since we put Matthew yeah. Perry, it's supposed to be funny and it's not a joke. It's, it's not uncomfortable. Funny. Yeah. It's but only- it's nineties. Guy humor, yeah. like, oh, he's a gay man, so he probably liked it anyway. Yeah. Well, Annie has got a reputation for having a huge penis. Yeah, and so, but that's the the thing that made me really uncomfortable with that scene is just like, be, even separate, like, obviously the sexual harassment part is bad, but there's also just the implication that like this guy who is this football player who's like still kind of nervous about his sexuality and is coming out and thinks this guy might be into him and he has a chance with him and is willing to be openly gay in front of this guy because he thinks he has a chance and it's essentially just a scene played for comedy it's like a scene in the office where michael is being racist and he doesn't realize it but it's like a gay man who's like trying to make a connection with somebody and yeah. it's like really just awful i think you hit it i think michael scott wrote part of this movie. yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, i think a really good Way That's why there's all those it. gags and people like falling and getting punched in the dick and, yeah. uh, you know, burning themselves or, you know, yeah, yeah you're right. And the, oh, and there's even that scene where Dylan McDermott is on the phone and there's that fly that's buzzing around and then he finally kills the fly and and uh, Oliver Platt's like, oh, don't mess with him. You need to say yes. Don't don't say no. I think a lot of this, too, it, it showed the power of, like, rich people or people who are higher up. Like, oh, him being, yeah. like, Kevin Cartwright being a football player, you can kind of get away with it because you're idolized. And, you know, at, yeah. at the, when they were at the bar, um, Matthew Perry was like, this is Kevin Cartwright, you know, and, like, thought it was a big deal. And so he wouldn't have ever guessed that anything like that would happen yeah. to him. And then he kind of can get away with it because he is. And the only reason that this gay image of Matthew Perry transpired was because of Charlie. Dylan... I'll never be able to do it. <laughs> Dylan guy. Yeah. Um, Dylan McDermott. Dylan McDermott, because he was in a position of power, and he essentially spread the whole gay rumor. I mean, the reason it was in the newspaper was because of him. The reason yep. it, he hired him was because he thought he was gay, and so the, the power of, of wealthy people, rich people... Well, and he even that. uses it as leverage, where yeah. he's like, oh, well, you know, if you don't hang out with my mistress, then I don't know if you're going to get this project. million dollar project. Yeah, or, you know, I know you didn't just speak to me that way. Yeah. Because I am a rich blowhard who, mm-hmm. you know, is dating two women at the same time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. How? I want to I wanna get in the perspective of Nev Campbell for a quick second. How would you feel... If you met someone, they told you they were gay, you became very intimate with them, you know, you let them know a lot of things about yourself, you even 
Like, she at one point takes a bath in front of him and stuff like that. And then come to find out that he's, like, madly in love with her and not gay. How would you feel, Emily? I don't think I would react the same way as her character. <laughs> if I think, I'll take the left side of the bed. <laughs> yeah. What would you say? <laughs> yeah, Krista. Do you think that's romantic? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but it plays into the light of how you perceive people differently when you find out, like, those sorts of things about him. You know, like, she even said, you know, I trusted you with very intimate personal details and stuff. And those are things that were, like, their relationship was different because she thought he was gay and thought that that idea was off the table. Even though she really liked him and couldn't figure out why she really liked him. But, like, that one fact about him totally changed her interactions and everything that she did with him. And that's just an interesting way of, of thinking and, how, you know, to base your relationship with someone around that. Um, well, and yeah. I don't think that with sexuality, you know, we should be, like, pigeonholing people in a certain way right. or anything like that. Like, people can do whatever they want. Be omnisexual. Omnisexual, <laughs> yes. <laughs> to borrow a phrase, yes. But because he sets this... Uh, sets up this, like, no, I'm gay at the beginning, and he, like, agrees to it, there's this violation of trust between them, and she just totally coasts on it later. She's like, well, whatever, we're good friends, and now I see you sexually. And that is why I never liked her character, because she's just kind of, like, um, she's easily moved into the, by the whims of Charlie or... Um, By the men in her life. Yeah, exactly. And it seems like she doesn't choose anything. She just decides it's fate, which is something I always hate about (laughs) romantic comedies anyway. Like, when people... People have no say in their own fortune. When people say signs from the universe, or it's fate, or you're the one, it's gross. I want to throw up. Like, (laughs) like tuna melt throw up. (laughs) Yeah. We should find that restaurant and not get the tuna milk. And then it's in Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was another thing that Roger Ebert's review pointed out, is that this movie's supposed to be set in Chicago, but almost all of the, like, cityscapes and city exteriors are clearly not Chicago. They're Toronto. <laughs> there was but a you good said that Toronto was... subs as, like, the city... All the time, for a lot of places. Like, yeah. New York City, right? Yeah, because it's cheaper. It's a big city. It's close and it's just cheaper because it's Canada it's not the United States like that's that's (laughs) as simple as that yeah is it easier to get a permit up there or something well Canada doesn't have as much film production as the United Uh. States does like Canada I believe any all major releases in Canada I and I could be wrong but I'm almost positive I think this came up in the Gooby episode of how this get made, that all Canadian films are funded by the government, unless oh. they're, like, independent. And so there's very few that get made because... Yeah, that's why Guy go- Madden has such a good career. Yeah, well, I, I think Guy Madden is, like, largely independent because his stuff isn't that expensive. Oh. But, like, yeah, when you see... Um, I can't even think of, like, a mainstream Canadian movie, but they are all, like, they have to get approved by the government and everything like that. And so when you go to Toronto and say, hey, we're a Hollywood studio, we want to film, they're like, well, you're not competing with anything, and, uh, well, sure, we'll take millions of dollars from you guys, yeah. Yeah, this movie cost $20 million, and it grossed $10 million. So it didn't even make back its budget. (laughs) So it was a stinker back then, too. Like, even 90s people were cotton to what was going on. Well, and it's so weird, you know, that, because the 90s is also when In-N-Out came out. 
was that like a, a genre where people were like, we know that gay people are seeing movies. Let's start making movies about them. But they aren't about them at all. Yeah. They're totally yeah. not yeah. about it's, it. It's, it's, the sh- it's like straight people coming to terms with the existence of gay it's, people. Yeah. It's like a weird subgenre of comedy in the 90s. And that's definitely what in and out is because... Uh, I mean, I think in and out might actually have gay people behind the camera uh, making it. Like, uh, yeah, as far as I can tell, it doesn't seem like it was that <laughs> three to tango. It doesn't seem to have any, like, no. real honest uh, experiences to relate to us. No, because, again, it takes an award ceremony for gay people. Yeah. Oh, and turns it into... Oh, my God. It turns into a grandstanding session for a straight guy to come out as straight because that is his struggle. And that seems to trump all of the gay struggles. So he's the gay man of the year. It's like Ron Swanson when he won the woman of the yeah, year. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, yeah. Because it was all somebody else's work that he got credit for as the non-gay person. Yeah, I love how he equates hiding himself being straight and honest about who he is with coming out as a yeah. gay person. He has that whole speech where he's like, I've, I've had a secret for the past three weeks, and I know a lot of people here are closet and everything. And it's like, other- three weeks? He was, he was quote-unquote gay for three weeks. So now he, he totally he, understands, he understands the plight of... a lifetime in the closet of not being able to be honest with anybody in your family. Yeah, uh, and also... Uh, like, just, God, just the, the hubris of that. Like, it's just extreme. I, I think it ties into, I can get preachy on this, yeah. I apologize, but he's a white guy who struggles, he, the point of the movie, too, his friends think he's gay because he struggles with women. Like, he yeah. doesn't get a lot of, quote, tail. Yeah. And I, it's part of this, like, men's psyche, like, well, he's not getting laid, he's really oppressed. Yeah. Like, he must deserve it because he's <laughs> really trying. He's a nice guy. Yeah. One, the other thing is he's he has to pretend he's gay for three weeks, and in that three weeks, he wins a $90 million contract and gay professional man of the year. Yeah, so not only is he, like, during things, his three weeks gay is he successful, really fast. but he's successful specifically because of being gay, which is an experience that most gay people probably could not relate to at that point, where coming out was, like, everyone being like, oh, you're golden ticket, here you go. Like, do you want a mansion? Here's millions of dollars. Like, that's essentially what happens to him when he comes out. It's like... And, like, then he has the, the courage to go up on stage and be like, I understand. <laughs> I understand how much you guys suffer. Yeah, and I, I went on a bus one time and a guy looked at my dick and, oh, what a horrible yeah. life. <laughs> Creepy bus guy. Yeah, another awkward Stares at his junk. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, we've all... Ladies. Oh, and, and, and of course, <laughs> the horrible tragedy of looking over at a beautiful woman, but then she finds out you're gay and is, of course, mad at you instantly. Seriously <laughs> offended. Yeah. She looks, she looks disgusted. Yeah. She's like, ugh. Oh, what else, guys? Oh, let's maybe try to figure out what the message of this movie is. <laughs> Krista, what do you think? I gotta think on that one. <laughs> what about you, Paula? Well, I, I feel like when they made it, they assumed that their message was be yourself, be honest, but... And you'll find true love. But would being honest and being yourself have gotten Matthew Perry and Oliver Platt anything? 
it seemed like a lot of the situations they're put in where they get this positive attention and um, they are favored in the competition and uh, get essentially get into a position where Dylan McDermott uh, is guilted by his wife in the very end to pick them over the other architects is because, to some degree, uh, Matthew Perry lies and then Oliver Platt doesn't discourage the lie. Uh, there's no... It's, yeah, and, it seems like he would have had more moral objections to it than yeah. in reality. Yeah, and, and so I... Yeah, it's not uh, to thine own self be true. <laughs> it's not that. Nope. And, um... Follow the money. Yeah. <laughs> I think communicate better. Talk it is out. the lesson. <laughs> yeah, that's is a good the one. biggest message about how to communicate. And I like that. That's mm-hmm. the that's the message of so many movies, good and bad movies. But it's also like words you weren't able to say. Like he could not ask him. Like, oh, are you gay? It was like, are you? Hmm, you know. You know. Are you? You know. Are you? Hmm. And you know. So that's when Matthew Perry is like, oh, my partner's not Oliver Platt's not, but I'm a hundred percent. I am 100%. And so then Charlie is like, oh, okay. So then he knows, but you don't actually know what you're talking about. Like, are you 100% like gay or hungry or heterosexual or, or like, <laughs> <laughs> or like a skydiver or what? Like, 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 you have no idea what you're talking about. Like, <laughs> and another way to think about what the lesson is supposed to be is think about the way that the people who do wrong in this movie get punished. Because no one even really gets punished, which is usually the way you see, like, okay, because of this, this is what they suffer, or here's their ironic punishment, considering what they did. And Dylan McDermott's punishment, because he, he, he still keeps his job. Does he have to he, stay he married makes, to his wife? He, he stays married to his wife, who appears to dominate him sexually. and uh, oh, But yeah. clearly she doesn't care that much that he's cheating on her, because... He's been spending all this time with his mistress and doing all this stuff with his job, and she's only around in like two or three scenes, and yeah. it's fine. So his uh, punishment was losing his mistress. Yeah, losing his mistress and getting punched on TV. And he not it. only loses his mistress, but he loses it to someone that he thought was gay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And to someone who now he has to keep the contract with to make his building. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh. Though it's a good building, and it will ultimately reflect well on him for choosing them to do that project. And then Matthew Perry, his punishment is he gets the girl, he gets the $90 million contract. Uh, (laughs) Did you say punishment? Where's the punishment part? Uh, He gets gets punched. And Oliver Platt's punishment is he ends up with Kevin Cartwright. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The guy with the big penis. Yeah. Yeah. Works out pretty good for everybody. Yeah. It's true. No one... Yeah. I guess Nev no is the only one who, uh... Well, no, she gets... She kind of gets a good deal. She ends up with the guy she loves. So, like, when they wrote this movie, they just liked all the characters so much that they're like, oh, we can't do anything bad to these great people. I would feel so bad. The audience would be so mad at us if we, if we hurt them. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> well, and it, since everyone's so likable... Well, I don't even know if everyone's really that likable, but... It just makes the movie, like, the characters are not the interesting part of the movie. The The interesting part of the movie for me is all the, like, slapstick wacko stuff. Yeah, let's talk about some of the wacko bits in the side. Like, the, the first thing I think of is Crying Blueprint Girl. Uh, oh, yeah! There's, like, there's a scene fairly early on, I think it's before Matthew Perry knows that everyone thinks he's gay... But they're at, it's after they've, they're assigned to do the model, and inexplicably, they're at the place 
where the model is going to be, and they have like a full crew of like, has, and they said they have 50 interns, and then those people are not being paid, and then there's other people who presumably are being paid, and it's just this massive thing, but there's this girl, she's carrying about 20 blueprints or so, and yeah. she somehow- And a cart? Or no, she's Just carrying, in her hands, yeah. and she somehow bobbles some of them, and then they get run over by a cart, and she doesn't pick them up, she just keeps walking- and then she drops more, and by the time she gets to Oliver Platt, she only has one blueprint, and she gives it to him, and he looks up at her ambiguously, and she immediately starts sobbing. And, and she doesn't... And then she never shows up again. No, and she has no lines. It's like an extra that they, like, oh, so she cast specifically to be like, like, you're crying, you're crying blueprint girl. <laughs> That's 100% That's normal. her credit. Yeah. You know who else didn't have any lines? Angry Dad. Yeah. Yeah. Angry Dad had some good slapstick because he was not only physically punishing himself for having a gay son, but angrily throwing away statues. <laughs> yeah. I like the part where... No, I can't enjoy these Greek statues anymore. <laughs> I like the part when he reads the newspaper headline and he just falls over. And he's holding the hose... For his garden, he just falls right over. Well, and also, there's that really funny shot where, uh, when they're at the gala, and the mom and dad come up, and you can see the side of the mom's face, but you just see the very back of the dad's head, and uh, Matthew Gray's like, dad, the bar's that way, and the head just, which is barely on screen, turns and just, like, immediately disappears <laughs> from the shot. There's also the scene where they're in the cab, with that cab driver, and he does the, the the double take when they're talking to each other, and then they're his car. So they're talking about talking to their art. Like I talk to I talk to my buildings all the time. I talk to my glass blowings all the time. Totally yeah. normal. And the cab ends up breaking, and then Matthew Perry goes, "Oh, it's probably just the tube, the pipe, <laughs> the pipe. I gotta I gotta check the the pipe." So he there's goes, so many phallic. References. Yeah. 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 And he and he um, goes to the front of the car and then the car explodes. <laughs> Just like catches on fire and explodes. Because that's what cars do, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and then the other one where he like sees the newspaper where it says he's gay. And then he starts running through the street. <laughs> and then he stops and all these chickens fly on top of him. Like, definitely got thrown by people on the side of the street. And oh, then yeah. he keeps running and screaming <laughs> off camera. Bad. I love the idea that the director was like, okay, Matthew, I want you to run down the street screaming. You can, you can pull your hair, you know, I'm going to let you decide how you want to be screaming. But I need you to stop at this mark. And when you get there, we're going to throw some chickens at you. Okay? Are you ready? Okay. And action. Ah! Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's where the job goes. And there's the part where he goes to the... Like, these are all hilarious reasons to watch this movie, but it's, like, not what the movie's about at all. <laughs> when he finally accepts that he's going to pretend to be gay, he's going to play along with it, he goes to Nev Campbell's glassblowing studio, <laughs> and she says something about him being gay, and then immediately is like, put your mouth on it and blow. And then it, like, hit her, what do you There's call like it? this phallic thing, like, glass rolling pipe. around in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Which he plays off really well. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, he does that. Not does the worst joke. It was a, it's a, it's it, the situation that got us that joke was bad, but it was funny while it was happening. And then she joked that he ruined the glass. Yeah. He just wasn't good at blowing it.
It's not a good metaphor. <laughs> but um, she blew it. Also, <laughs> the the scene that where they first meet, where he is trying to prevent her art from breaking, it's like about to fall over, and so he goes and tries to catch it, and he just lands underneath it, and his nose is all squished up yeah. on the, at the glass. And she walks up and goes, "Shit, piss, damn it." Those are my three yeah. go-to swear words. <laughs> Shit, piss, damn it. No, she said, you saved me. <laughs> and then she leaves. Yeah. You notice that? Yeah. She's like, you saved me. And then she exits the scene and he's still laying on the ground. <laughs> With her art. Actually, do you remember the scene where Kevin is first talking to Oscar and they're talking, and Oscar's talking in a way that's clearly set up to be like, oh yeah, he's gonna think he's gay. He's talking that ambiguous way and not using gendered pronouns or anything, so it's like, he could be saying anything. And Oh, the football player? Yeah, the football player. And then um, these two women are like, ah, ah, like, no lines. Like, just like, <laughs> like laughter dubbed over them oh waving. My God, and oh, he's like, please make that noise all the time, please. <laughs> I'll try. Uh, no, do it again. Kevin Cartwright is like, oh, excuse me, I have to take care of something. Like, what was he, what was he taking care of? Like, he's like, I thought they were definitely flirting. He yeah. and Matthew are flirting. It's a misleading And he image. to talk to two women who aren't like, hey, I know you, or hey, Kevin, or they're just like laughing and like waving their fingers at him. Ah, uh, it's a mislead. Classic yeah, mislead. Yeah, it's exactly, it's just a mislead so that you're like, oh, he's a straight man. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so dumb. There's a lot of misleads with that character. Yeah. Because even Charles is like, I don't like you being around that Kevin guy. He's so muscular and strong. And, and then Kevin walks up behind him and he's like, okay. But they don't need that misdirect, though, because the whole thing that he used to date Nev Campbell. Is good enough. Yeah. yeah. It should be. Yeah. <laughs> but, nope, gotta build it up. Maybe the lesson is gay can be found where you least expect it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Football players. Maybe maybe it's life is a highway. I wanna ride it all oh. night long. Gotta <laughs> <laughs> go in my way. I wanna drive it. There you go. And Michael Scott. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, but that's Oh, oh, man. Hey, did you guys notice that everywhere that was outdoor in Chicago was super green and covered in Christmas lights? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice the Christmas lights. That scene there were a where, lot of lights. That scene where they, he gets the, oh, yeah. the, like, boner rape, they're in a park that's just covered in Christmas lights. It's pretty romantic. Man, what time of the year was this set? I don't know. Three weeks to Yuma? I don't know. Because they're, yeah, they're all like, there's, there's no. <laughs> it was, the whole movie was a span of three weeks. It looks three like. Three weeks it to was, It was, there was no snow and it was sunny, but they were in trench coats. Yeah, they're always in trench, trench coats. coats. Yeah. Because yeah. it's the 90s. And she always had her jacket on. So yeah. maybe, maybe fall, early spring. Who knows in Chicago. Could really be any time. But it's definitely not summer in Toronto. That's the thing. It definitely was not. Yeah. Does anyone else have anything they'd like to add? Any anything you didn't get to share? Weird stuff. 
took the gay thunder right out of me. Oh, <laughs> the, scene, the scene where they're watching that old movie was kind of a throwaway, but they're like... It was like oh, just trying to develop their connection, and, and I was it him I, where he's like the most common phrase ever in movies is "Let's get out of here." Yeah. yeah. Do they say that later in the movie? No. It seemed like that no. was like a blatant. It seemed setup. like they were setting it up yeah. to say uh-huh. it at like at the end, like that when they were gonna leave the. Oh wait! Did the, he say it when they got out? When they left the restaurant? Did he? I I don't remember. At the end, before they went outside to attention. How did we miss a, a line like that? <laughs> Let's get out of here. Because it wasn't funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I looked up what movie that was, and it was Of Human Bondage. And I'm not, Whoa, overly, never, I'm I'm not overly familiar with Of Human Bondage, so I, unless anyone's read the novel. So, I, yeah, I couldn't. Nope. And there was no trivia, so I couldn't figure out what exactly yeah, the symbolism no of that was. Yeah, no trivia for this movie on IMDb. Usually there's even, like... This movie took three weeks to shoot, which that would have been pretty <laughs> or, funny. Or uh, <laughs> Nev Campbell was in this movie, like. Or Nev Campbell and Dylan McDermott have been in a movie together before, but there was nothing. Yeah. So somebody has not updated this IMDb page. Someone get on it. No, I want an explanation for um, Dylan's Dylan's character obsession with the Buddha. Yeah. Yeah, I want that. <laughs> Yeah. Also, the Indian shirt she was wearing with the Indian people on it. Yeah, it was of, very nineties. It's yeah. a bad nineties fashion. There's a lot of crushed velvet, <laughs> a lot of trench coats, baggy <laughs> dress pants with belts. All of Nev Campbell's shirts were like super nineties. Man, her cleave was so out there. Yeah, you could flee to the cleave in this movie. <laughs> That's what Roger Ebert did. He <laughs> <It was laughs> his review. <laughs> I was just thought of when Oliver Platt was bored waiting for Matthew Perry oh, to get yeah! home and was like with gel in his hair. <laughs> oh my god, I totally forgot about that. His hair is stuck on yeah, the another, direction. Another wacko detail that was like, actually, why is this in this movie? Actually, yeah. why why didn't Oliver Platt go home? Because he was staying up waiting for Matthew Perry to get <laughs> back because he didn't want him to Sleep go to stay over. and thought that something would happen. Okay. Probably because he thought his job might be on the line. That's true. Alright, but still, it's like he, Matthew Perry came back at what, like 6 in the morning the next day, so he was gone for like 12 hours, and Oliver Platt presumably slept, and then woke up, and was like... No, he didn't sleep, that's why why he put the gel in his hair. all night just like gelling his hair, (laughs) waiting for his business morning. God, that lime green shirt he was wearing was so great. And those sideburns! His sideburns were, were on point. Very pointy. Holly, you gotta get those. <laughs> They're like sideburn Bluetooths. <laughs> I don't know if you could grow them. No, I, I, my, I have like, like the Awesome Town sketch where they, where they can't, grow, they're like I can't grow the beard. <laughs> that's, that's what I look like when I try to grow the beard. <laughs> oh my god! Totally forgot about that yeah. sketch. So, uh, one of the things I wrote down that we didn't really touch on is. Um, is being insecure ever funny? Because I feel like they tried to make Dylan McDermott's insecurity about his relationship with Nev Campbell a joke a couple times. Insecurity is funny if the thing you're being insecure about is inherently unreasonable. And okay. only then if it's well done. Because, like, I, like the, the, the example I would give is, like, it's not funny when someone is insecure about their sexuality. And the joke is that, like, ha-ha, they don't know what 
what will make them happy. Like, that's not funny. But, like, being insecure about, like, being a, 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 je- like a cheating husband who's, like, insecure about his mistress could, could be, be funny. funny. Like, an, uh, it... give me an idea of how it is, like, an uh, example that's not exactly the same, but Unfaithfully Yours is entirely, oh, yeah. uh, the entire movie is a man being insecure about his wife. That movie is and really funny. And it is funny. hilarious. But it's because they had actual jokes and they tried to get into the psychology and how, of how, like, stupid men can get. <laughs> like, and it really is like, yeah, he's insecure because he's a fucking moron. <laughs> that's why. Like, that's, and that's funny. And they, pre- in that movie, they present it in a funny way because they explore different genres. Yeah. They, like, get really dark with it and, like, how his yeah. insecurity, like, there's a part of his brain that his insecurity leads him fantasize about murdering his wife or like committing suicide in front of her and stuff like that and then somehow gets it back to like screwball comedy yeah. uh and also rex ha- hamilton rex harrison harrison yeah, yeah. he's he's great yeah. Yeah. rex harrison is great yes but not in real life no. he was he was a total dick <laughs> yeah. in real life <laughs> but uh in the movies he's great dr doolittle but going back to that you also said like insecurities about your sexuality however they did play humor on his insecurity about being gay, but it was funny because he wasn't gay. Like, they called him omnisexual. And that was humorous and funny, but because it wasn't true. Yeah. Well, in the I didn't gay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Yeah. But those are funny, I think, because they weren't true. They're not, yeah, it's not making fun of the dilemma. It's making fun of his, like, stupid situation, and it's like, oh, so he's lying. You're laughing, so he's like, oh, he's he's, he's lying again. You're not laughing because you feel necessarily sympathy. Because he could so easily get himself out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, especially, what were you guys saying about the whole omnisexual thing? Like, yeah, once he, once it's revealed, once that is introduced where he's, like, telling people that he can have sex with men and women, that should solve the whole yeah. lot. Yeah. 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 Bisexuality wasn't invented, that's why he yeah. said that weird term. I nope. forgot. This is the 90s. No one ever had sex with multiple No, the partners. only Nev Campbell references an experiment with a woman. Not yeah. even calling it sex. Like, that's so gross. Calling it an experiment because yeah. you had sex with somebody? Ew. Yeah, experiment makes it sound like she was like, all right, I'm going to I gonna anatomically... Test- um, <laughs> I put uh, it in a test tube. And I, then- I rub ice cubes on your body to watch how your skin prickles up. Like, <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like we a were in biology too. class together. It was just extra credit. It was fine. <laughs> Her hair brushed my hand, and I thought, I need to know the velocity of your hair touching my hand. I think the insecurity. Classic romance. The insecurity that is funny are the three straight friends who are insecure about their friend being yeah. gay because they don't know how to interact with him now. Like, that's stupid and dumb. Yeah, but and it's funny because you're like, oh yeah, people definitely are terrible at dealing with this. Yeah. Like, even still today in our extremely enlightened time. <laughs> <laughs> you people, couldn't say that. No. You couldn't even get it. But yeah, it's it, that's it's relatable and it's believable, and they're tr- and it's also because they're insecure, but they're trying to be good. They're just like I, I don't know how exactly I'm supposed to respond. And yeah, they I, still came over to watch. Football. Yeah, they're not like it's not like the joke is like everyone is like afraid of Matthew Perry because it's gay. It's like everyone is just like yeah, we like you. We're not going to change anything about our lives and our relationship with you. We just. Uh, how, how exactly do we talk about this? And Except like, Rick oh, does yeah. hold a pillow against his body like he needs it for protection. Yeah, but it does seem like once once Oscar strangles him, <laughs> 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 
on past times, and they yeah. were like, oh, was that you coming out, like, in the hot tub that one time when you rubbed against me? Was that you coming on That's such me? a dude thing to yeah. be like, oh, you're gay, so you're... So ev- always well, yeah. attracted to men. It's, always, yeah, yeah. Th- and, and that's that's a really believable. Yeah, because that's how comedy. it works for heterosexual people too. You know, you're just always attracted to every person of the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right, Emily. But it's at least it's <laughs> All bathrooms should be single stall only. <laughs> it's consistent with romantic comedy logic that like a bunch of men would be would act that way though. Like well, they would just yeah, like they would be like, well yeah, because we're men and men think about sex all the time and so when you were touching me before we were guys and so it wasn't sex, but because we're you're a gay guy it was it was sex, right? Because I'm the person you would want to have sex with because you would have sex with it's like it's like that. Yeah. <laughs> what a rabbit hole to fall down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, like the girls Earl the girlfriends that <laughs> the girlfriends of Nev Campbell that only existed for um Five minutes. Yeah. They were like, oh, you're gay? Let's talk about penis and men and <laughs> dumb boys. So and you're attracted to men and we're attracted to men. So it's like totally the same, right? Yeah. <laughs> like you get nervous around men. <laughs> even though you're a man. I wasn't even paying attention to what they were yeah, saying. Yeah, I don't know what they were saying either. They like had margaritas, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the sharks are choking a margarita at the end. <sighs> well... Now we have come to always my least favorite part, (laughs) (laughs) which is we, and we didn't prep you for this at all, so I'm so sorry. This will be fun. This will be exciting. Paula loves how much I don't love this part, (laughs) but we uh, always try to end by everyone sharing either something they learned or something that they would pass along. About this movie. Yeah, if you're going to watch this movie, what is something that someone should pay attention to or, or get out, positive or negative? Uh, I would tell anyone that is watching this, like, pretend that Michael Scott wrote it. And if you look at it like that, it's innocent enough where you can just laugh at the slapstick part of it without <laughs> getting too angry about yeah, it's dumb like... 90s uh ignorance it's and actually oh my god remember the episode where oscar comes out to michael it's like michael right after that happened, wrote this movie like, I, I kissed a gay man and now i know what it's like to be gay. i'm gonna write a screenplay about a man named oscar yeah. <laughs> what's the movie he, he writes in he writes uh threat, threat level, level midnight. midnight threat level midnight so this is three to tango which is an equally awesome title that has nothing to do with the movie <laughs> yeah it is. yeah that's some good advice I think that's great. That's I wish the I could lens s- you have to watch it through. I wish I could steal that. Krista, what is your teachable moment? Or do you still need a moment <laughs> for your teachable moment? Have you seen this movie before, Krista? No, I haven't. Um, I would say to appreciate Peter's character, Oliver Platt, throughout the movie. I'm I'm nodding. <laughs> <laughs> In the midst of all the slapstick and, and everything that goes on, he is kind of the, like, saving grace, I feel like, through the movie. Though there are some parts, especially at the end, when he, like, encourages Matthew Perry to, like, accept the award and stuff, like, that was not, that was frustrating. You just want him to be like, no. But try to appreciate his character. So, you you know. God, he's he's, so great. He is really great. He is definitely one of the saving graces of this movie. I hope he got paid a lot of money. (laughs) Because he earned it. Yeah. He's like he's the the standout 
for the whole movie. He was more than just the sidekick, too. He didn't yeah. feel tacked on to anything. No, and he totally brought humanity to his character. Yeah. 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 I like that, too, Krista. For me, I think this kind of goes without saying, but uh, if you're going to write something, maybe know your subject. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, maybe have like a first world experience with it or know somebody who can give you feedback about that experience that you want to write about. Like, for example, Paolo is writing a screenplay and last weekend... He ran something past Emily and I, and Emily gave him a great idea of how to resolve an issue that you he was sure having. You sure did. Yeah. yeah. Because I am a woman, and it, there is a woman in this community. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, it's okay to, like, ask for help, and and it doesn't even have to necessarily be with writing, but, you know, if you're, like, doing art and you want to represent a certain subject matter or... You're making music and you want to do it in a certain style. It's good to to know your history. Well, and just, I, I was thinking about it too. This reminded me a lot of Lakeview Terrace in a weird way. Because Lakeview Terrace oh. was a movie that was trying to make a point about race relations in America. It? Well, it was trying to. It was, a, but it was a movie, and it had it had all sorts of problems. But the key thing was that it was a, an interracial couple and their angry cop neighbor who is black and who is black, but is racist against. Well, not racist, prejudiced against an interracial couple. And yeah. he's doing everything he can to try to make them leave the neighborhood or split up and everything like that. But after we watched the movie. I come to realize that it's written entirely by white people and directed by a white person and mm -hmm. uh, people who like and it, you can tell watching the movie that they have no idea what they're talking about but it like really drives home like it wasn't like studio interference crippled this movie they never bothered to actually get it right and check with somebody to be like hey is this relatable is this honest to what your experience is and this movie is it's not as like trying to say as big of a message as Lakeview Terrace, yeah. but it, it suffers from the same problem. Yeah, write what you know. Like, don't... Well, you... I think there's nothing wrong with writing fiction and, and trying to think, you know, outside of the box. Like, if you're yeah. a man and you're trying to write a woman character or vice versa, or you're a woman who lives in Australia and you're trying to write a man who lives in Manhattan, or... I think there's nothing wrong with, like, trying that out, but... You gotta do your research. Though. Yeah, yeah, research is important. Yeah, yeah, that's my point. Are you piggybacking on my point? Well, no, I was just—I I have to I, give me a moment because that was exactly what my point was. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Follow. I stole your yeah, point. Yeah, nice. Nailed it. All right. Um, the teacher becomes the teach. This is tough. Okay. The student becomes. I totally screwed right. it up. <laughs> we got you. Okay. Well. I guess I'm just going to talk until I find... I got a filibuster in this. All right. So we did... Yeah, we did kind of all agree that it was a dumb movie. But like we all said, we really enjoyed it a lot. Like we laughed a lot. I stopped taking notes probably about 30 minutes in because I was just genuinely watching the movie. And it's amazing how like... <laughs> we, we When we watch I Hate Valentine's Day, I Hate Valentine's Day was significantly worse. And it was way less offensive. But it was... Not as funny. It was it was just, like, way more painful. And so I do really appreciate 
this, and I guess if this is my teachable lesson for this specific movie, it's that just the campiness of it is a strangely redeeming factor. And if you are going to have to sit through a, a bad romantic comedy, it needs to have something other than just like that core plot. Like we were talking about 27 Dresses yeah. when we were watching it, is that 27 Dresses... It's so campy. It's, it's, yeah, it's that campiness kind of catches you off guard. You remember, when you think back on it, it seems way worse just because you're thinking about the plot, but moment to moment, just the bright colors and the noise and stuff like that, all the stuff that does kind of make it, uh, it that is more stupid is actually surprisingly livening. And I... if I'm, I, find, yeah. I find that campiness... It, it usually translates to entertainment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, um, like, it's, it's, yeah, I don't really have, like, a, a good defense of this because I'm improving the circuit now, but, yeah, like we said, the, all these little strange moments, like the chickens being thrown in, it's not funny because they did it perfectly, it's funny because it's so jarring and weird, and it, like... It, there's no reason for it to have happened. Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense in the It's kind of like in Fateful Findings when he, like, knocks all the computers. Yeah, it is. It's like, that's a perfect comparison. And again, just always goes back to, like... And, but I will... The caveat to all this is that none of what we're complimenting right now is intentional. Like, none of yeah. it is aiming towards entertaining us this way. And so, like, this is just, like, a real... I guess this movie is just a really great example of that, like that accidental entertainment value that can come from, like, uh, effort, uh, like, a filmmaking with effort, but no thought behind it. Like, everybody clearly tried their hardest, except the screenwriters on this movie. <laughs> like, this, the cinematographer for this movie, Carrie and I were talking before, is someone who, he worked on Shortcuts, which is one of Robert Altman's best movies, yeah. and he did all of Steven Soderbergh's early movies, too. Oh. He did Sex, Lies, and Videotape, and Kafka, and stuff like that. Oh. And so it's like, it's, it looks very... It, it, it's not uh, well directed, but it looks good. The colors are everywhere, <laughs> and uh, you can follow the action. Um, so it, it's it's professionally made. It's just thoughtless, and it creates this weird quality to it that ends up making it enjoyable. So I guess it's I don't really have a good teacher lesson. You you took Sorry. my but no, it's fair. It's under, I've definitely it. I've stolen yours before. But yeah, if you are have gonna you? watch it, yes, I have. Uh, I can't remember when, but I know I have. <laughs> so seems right. Yeah, if you're gonna watch it, keep an eye out for just that. Try to notice that the sort of interaction between these like sloppy elements and the more professional elements, and notice that yeah, you if you in, can get through this movie at all, what you enjoy is those silly sloppy elements. Nice. Good point, Paolo. Yes, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I liked it. All right, I'll like... edit it to sound way better. You, you would. <laughs> High five. Yeah. You nailed it. I did. Well, hey, thanks, guys, yeah. for watching this movie with us. Yeah. I mean, I should guys. say thanks, ladies. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> ladies night. <laughs> <laughs> what was that noise? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't it. That's what I sound like when I'm at the bar. Yeah, I'm, me too. I'm the lady. Gotta love me. <laughs> Classic follow. Yep. Well, uh, yeah, thanks so much. We're going to have to do this again, Krista. Sounds good. And Emily. I can't wait to see the poster you make for this one. Oh, brother. Make it uh, something. I'm going to I'm gonna do a really graphic representation <laughs> of the, the tuna melt. 
<laughs> you should make the tuna melt in the shape of a pentagon. Yeah. And then I'll I'll shade into the cheese three to tango. But the cheese, instead of it being on the bread of the tuna, she should be melted on Matthew Perry's face. <laughs> and then there's just like a rainbow behind it. <laughs> three to rainbow. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, we should sign off. So thanks for listening, everyone. I'm Carrie. I'm Paolo. I'm Krista. I'm Emily. This has been The Secret Cinema. Thanks for listening. The Secret Cinema is produced and edited by Paolo Corral. All theme songs were performed and recorded by Ricardo Ortiz. Any additional music or samples come from the film covered on this week's episode. All logos and artwork created by Carrie Chamber. You can follow Carrie on Instagram at Carrie Saw This and see more of her artwork at www.carriechafee.com. You can watch Paolo's short films at video.com slash or read more of his ramblings about film at letterbox.com slash The Secret Cinema is a commentary and criticism podcast, and its use of film dialogue and film music for illustrative purposes falls under the fair use provisions of U.S. copyright. Thanks again for listening. Production of Larry Lake Productions. All rights reserved.